Hey guys, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. It feels like I've been gone forever. If you tune in every week, you probably noticed I haven't posted a new episode in two weeks, and that is because life has been crazy. The week of March 10th, March 10th is my birthday, and I took the day off and I decided I'm going to take the week off from podcasting. I'm just going to go buck wild and had a great birthday, made pizza. We didn't actually roll out the dough enough. So when we ate the pizza, it blew up. <laughs> it kind of blew kind of blew up in our stomachs a little bit. And I've never been that full in my whole life. I was actually lying on the floor feeling like I needed to go to the hospital because <laughs> because I was so full. And I think I went to bed at nine o'clock that night because I just didn't know how to end the pain. (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. I have to just sleep this one off. And so that, that was why I didn't post an episode two weeks ago. And then last week I didn't post an episode because I had a really upsetting thing happen on Wednesday, which is the day when I normally record my cat died suddenly. One of my cats, I have two cats, Gratitude and Lily. And Gratitude that morning was pretty sick. He, he wasn't eating breakfast. And if you've had a pet for a long time, you probably know that they're very consistent and they tend to do the same things every day. They have habits and they have a personality and you always know what to expect from them. But that morning, my cat, Gratitude, didn't eat breakfast. And one of his favorite things to do in life is eat. He's like Garfield. I don't feed him lasagna though. And since he didn't eat breakfast, I knew that was a major red flag and ended up bringing him to the animal hospital. And over the course of three or four hours, he just declined really quickly and ended up passing away that day. It was, I'm still just totally in shock that my cat died last week. It's really, um, it's upsetting and confusing and disorienting. And I feel a little lost since he departed. And I've never had someone really close to me like that die. So I'm still processing that. And just learning to have, learning to live life without him because we've been together for nine years and it's been a really weird transition just coming home and not seeing him and all the things that he would normally do, he's just not there anymore. So I want to dedicate today's episode to gratitude and all that he brought to my life and share a quick story about how I named him because it is a unique name. And most of the time when people would come over for the first time and ask his name, I would say, oh, his name's Gratitude. And and they would kind of look at me weird, like, Gratitude? You named your cat Gratitude? (laughs) And I did for a really specific reason. When I got him in 2008, I was just finishing, ending a relationship, a kind of a long-term relationship. I was ending a job and starting a new job, which always brings some discomfort I was living by myself and I just felt really uncertain about my life and where I was going and I was really stressed out and I felt like I woke up every day just feeling really anxious and confused and like I I wasn't grateful for what I had in my life. I was more in a state of distress, like everything is going wrong. What's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? Why does everyone else know what they're doing and I don't? And it was a lot of that and I thought... I would really love to have more ease 
<laughs> and feel better about life. So I can't remember exactly why I decided I needed to get a cat at that time, <laughs> but it seemed like a good move. So I got, I went to the animal shelter by my house and decided that to pick my cat, I was going to look into each cage and make eye, try to make eye contact with the cat and see if we could make a connection. And there were about 50 cats there. It took me a long time. I went and looked in each cage and a lot of the cats were sleeping. Some of the cats just didn't care and just turned around. <laughs> but there was one cat that did look at me for a long time and we just stared into each other's eyes for a while. <laughs> and I thought, I, I think I need to take this cat home. And I've never had a pet that lived outside of a cage. I had gerbils and fish and birds and hamsters, but we had a Cocker Spaniel for less than a year when I was in fifth grade, but all the rest of my pets were not the kinds of pets that you really build a relationship with. So when I found this cat that I felt was an instant soulmate or something, I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this cat home. And when I got him, his name was Scooter. <laughs> and I thought that's not a good name. I want this to be a meaningful name. I want him to have a strong name. I want him to represent what I want in my life. And when I thought about my current mood and outlook, I thought I need to have more gratitude in my life. And that was when I decided to name him Gratitude. And ever since that day, he has always reminded me to live with gratitude. And it's funny because the opposite actually ended up happening. Anytime I'm in the world, anywhere, I'm watching a movie, I'm at a workshop, I'm talking to someone and they say the word gratitude, it reminds me of him. <laughs> so it's really cool. And I feel really lucky that now he leaves this legacy behind. And when I hear the word gratitude, I'll always think of this amazing friend I had. So that's the long story of why I didn't record an episode last week. <laughs> and uh, just wanted to share that with you guys because we are now at episode 40 of my podcast. It happened so fast. And I feel like I've really established a relationship with so many of you guys. It's been really nice to hear from you and get your emails and phone calls and ideas and feedback because I record my podcast in a little closet in my house and you know, it's like I'm just talking to myself, but it's great because I'm actually talking to you. And I feel like I've got this connection with, with so many of you, even though I've never met most of you. And uh, it's a really cool way to communicate and share ideas and stories. So I have gratitude for all of you and thank you. So today's episode is what I've learned about podcasting, which I thought, yeah, we should be talking about this, right? Right now I'm in week four of the uh, speaking school for women. And last week we were talking about marketing. And one of the ways I taught people to market themselves is through podcasting. And someone said, well, how do I get started? And what would that look like if I wanted to have a podcast? And I thought, oh, you know what? <laughs> I should talk about podcasting on my podcast. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> I'm going to share five things I've learned about podcasting. And the five different topic areas are focus, like what are you talking about on the podcast, time, the evolution of a podcast, technology, and results. Because I think these are the five areas that make the most difference when you're setting up and building a podcast. So without further ado, let's talk about what I've learned about podcasting.
right, let's start with focus. This is the absolute 100% most important place for you to be thinking about before you launch a podcast. Because if you don't know who your audience is and you don't know what you're helping them to do, it's going to be really hard to build anything, right? It's like, I want to build a house. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I don't know how many windows it's going to have. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know how many bedrooms it's going to have, but let's just get a bunch of materials and build it and see what comes out right? Like nobody does that. So it's the same idea with your podcast. It has to be specific. So answering these two questions is the best place to start. Who do I most want to help and what do I want to help them do? And it's really important for you to really sit with these questions and think deeply about what they mean to you. For the first question, who do you want to help? It's not just, well, I want to help everybody because they all could use my advice. Because when you want to help everybody, essentially you're helping nobody because you're not able to tune into what a specific audience needs, right? And I used to do this. I feel like I am like the expert on helping everybody because when I first started my business, I felt like I was a career consultant. Who doesn't need help with their career? I could help college students and mid-career professionals and people who were transitioning to a new company or people who wanted to start a business. And the list was like 48 pages long, which in my mind was a great thing because it meant I could, I could spread my wings, you know, and I could really help everyone. But that's not how you market yourself. Because you can't ever create a compelling message because you're trying to make it a message for all the people in the whole world. (laughs) So who do you most want to help? Do you want to help moms? Do you want to help high school students? Do you want to help mid-level managers? Do you want to help high school principals? Do you want to help, I don't know, gardeners? It, It can be, it has to be some sort of niche that is clearly distinguishable, right? And then once you pick your niche, what do you want to help them do? If it's a gardener, what's your show about? Is it how to grow a vegetable garden? Is it how to garden on a budget? Is it how to garden in less time? What's your selling point? What's the, the thing that's going to make people want to tune in? So answering those two questions is a great place to start. Who do you want to help and what do you want to help them do? As you know, with my podcast, I'm helping women who want to become better public speakers, right? Get paid to speak, to get out there and speak more often, to improve their skills as a speaker, all of these things. And so you know right away whether or not you fit into this category. And that's what you want to help your audience to do. When they come across your podcast, they'll know right away, is this for me or not? Number two is time. (laughs) Time is one of those uh, categories that I'm just not the best at estimating. And you may hear my other cat in the background. She's constantly meowing and looking for gratitude. So I apologize if you're constantly hearing meowing. She's very cute. Actually, maybe I should have her come in for a second. Lily, come here. Talk into the mic. Of course, now she's not meowing. You can talk. All right. (laughs) All right, number two is time. If I'm being honest, 
I have to say that I am not good at estimating how long things will take. I always underestimate it. <laughs> and then I create this very small window of time for myself and then I have to rush and I have to go into this like super focused crunch time to get it done. So I've, I've, over the years, I've tried to get better at this. It's still definitely an area of weakness. So if you're someone who tends to imagine things will take less time than they actually will, I want to encourage you to spend more time on this one piece of podcasting. And I, I'm kind of making a joke when I say this, but podcasting is this eight-step process. It's so easy. It's just eight steps. <laughs> so it starts with finding someone you might want to interview, pitching them on the show, scheduling your interview, planning for the interview, like writing your questions and figuring out what you're going to talk about, actually interviewing and recording your episode, editing your episode, posting it, and marketing it. Just eight simple steps. <laughs> and of course, you don't have to interview people, but this is the typical process of creating an episode. So in my mind, before I put the podcast together, I thought, oh, an episode will probably take me an hour and a half to put together. No, it takes like four to five hours per episode from start to finish, finding your person, pitching them, scheduling, planning it, interviewing them, editing them, uh, posting it and marketing it. So it is a lot of work. And when I set up the podcast, I said, oh, I can do an episode every week. And at that time I could, but now I'm so much more busy and I'm finding that it's harder to schedule a podcast episode each week and, and get it out there. So I may be changing my schedule for the podcast, but it's something to be really cognizant of because if you want to put out a quality product that you're proud of and that people really want to listen to, you have to put enough time aside to make it really good and make it worth everyone's while to tune in. Because you know there are tons of podcasts out there. Podcasts blew up a couple years ago. And now everybody has a smartphone. Everybody's listening to podcasts at the gym, in the car, while they cook dinner. And you want to make it worth everyone's while to listen. So that means you have to put the time into making it really great. So if you feel like you can't really commit to that much time, then I would say don't have a podcast. You should probably write a blog or come up with another marketing model for yourself because it does take time. And if you don't have the time to do the editing and the posting and the marketing, you could, you could always hire someone to do it. And that's something I'm considering doing now to take you know half the time out of this equation and just have someone else do it for me. So that's the number two lesson I've learned so far is having enough time. Number three is the evolution of a podcast. If you listen to episode one, you probably heard me say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just going to do this and see how it goes. And that's what I've been doing since I started. And now we're at episode 40. And I've learned so much about what goes into the podcast and what I really love about it and what I don't like doing. And that if you don't enjoy putting together an episode, that comes across. There have been some episodes where I've felt tired or distracted. And when I listen back, I go, oh, you know what? You can hear that. That's not good. No one wants to hear that. And so as your podcast evolves, you start to evolve as an interviewer, as a host, as a broadcaster, and you start to learn things about yourself in terms of what you like to talk about, how you like to produce your show, how you want things to sound, and the direction of the content. And so what I always tell people is you don't have to be an expert to start, 
You just have to have a plan, right? You have to start somewhere. So giving yourself that leeway to make mistakes in the beginning. And if you listen to my first couple episodes, the audio is so weird. (laughs) Like the first episode was recorded in a cardboard box in the middle of a studio office. It was a huge open room and I just stuffed the box with pillows and I put my microphone in there and I did an interview that way. And I realized that doesn't sound great. It just doesn't. So there are things that happen and allowing yourself to evolve as a host rather than trying to show up perfectly on your first episode is what will help you to get started sooner. And so I want to encourage people, especially if you're thinking about doing a podcast, to, to, to be comfortable with being new at something and maybe not doing it well and announcing that to your audience and saying, this, hey guys, this is my first podcast episode. I have no idea how this is going to go but let's go on this journey together. And then it kind of relaxes everybody because nobody starts as an expert and we all know that. So take the pressure off and know that it will evolve. So that's my tip number three, be comfortable with evolution. The third thing I've learned is there's a lot of technology involved in podcasting (laughs) and I don't consider myself to be a techie person at all. Every piece of technology I use, I use because I have to, And I learn exactly what I need to know to use it and nothing else. (laughs) And maybe that's not the right way to go about it, but I'm not interested in learning every feature in MailChimp. I don't want to learn about everything that makes my website work. I'm not interested in every, you know, feature of GarageBand. I just want to know what I need to know to put a podcast on the air. And that's it. So I'm going to tell you what I use and how I do it. There's probably 800 other ways to do it, but I know this works and I know it's pretty inexpensive and pretty easy. So here's my list of technology I use to make my podcast come together. I use Skype for all my interviews. Skype is free, but the thing you pay for is Skype Recorder. And I've heard from other podcasters that they have a free version of this. I don't have the free version. I paid $99 for mine and it's not a subscription. You just pay $99 once for Skype recorder. And what it is, is it, you download it on your computer. And when you open Skype, it pops up with Skype and it has a little red button. And when you start your interview with your guest, you just click the red button and it records the whole thing. And if you're recording a video, which I never do, I just do audio. It'll record the video too. But like I said, I just, I just record the video or the audio. So Skype recorder is what actually brings the interview to my computer. (laughs) And then Skype recorder comes with these little side programs that help you convert the files into other types of files. Because Skype recorder records your interview as an MOV file, and I want it to be an MP3, so I can just really easily convert it using one of these little side dish programs. And if that sounds complicated, it's really not at all. It's really simple. And if I'm recording an episode by myself, which I've done some uh, more recently, and I'm not using Skype to interview someone, I just record the whole episode in GarageBand, which is actually what I'm using right now to record this episode. And GarageBand came with my computer, so that was free. And it's very easy to use. You just hit record. (laughs) And And then you export it as an MP3 to be edited. For... My microphone, I use a blue Yeti mic. I think it was about a hundred bucks on Amazon. It's a really common podcasting microphone. 
and it works really well. I think you can hear it, you know. I, I should probably get a screen to go over the top to reduce pops and, you know, breath noises and stuff, which I haven't gotten yet, but that is something I'm going to probably invest in this year. I also just use any pair of headphones. You could use your iPod uh, ear earbuds, or if you want, you can get your own pair of bigger headphones, like the one, the big fancy ones. It doesn't really matter. It's just important to be able to hear when you're interviewing somebody. I just use my laptop to record. And then when I'm editing my podcasts, I use Adobe Premiere Pro. And if you've ever used Adobe Premiere, you know it's a video editing software. And the reason I use that is because I used to make a lot of videos and I'm really, uh, I shouldn't say really fluent. <laughs> I know which tools I need to edit my podcast really well. And so I use those and I'm able to edit the podcast pretty quickly in Premiere. But there are a lot of other options. I don't know all of them, but I've, I, I belong to some podcasting groups on Facebook and I've seen people list them out. And I think there are some free ones, some really simple editing tools, but I use Premiere Pro and I pay about 20 bucks a month to use that. And then once my podcast is edited and it's all set, I save it as an MP3 file and then I upload it to Libsyn. It's a distribution service and Libsyn is short for Liberated Syndication. So it's L-I-B-S-Y-N, Libsyn.com. And I pay $15 a month to you know, have a username on that site. And I upload my MP3, I write a description, I name my episode, and then I publish it. And Libsyn distributes it to iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, basically all the major services that you decide you want to distribute it to. And they're all free. So except for SoundCloud, you have to pay if you want a lot of storage. And so I just do three or four episodes at a time on SoundCloud. And then it's on all the other major outlets. So Libsyn also tracks your listens and downloads. So you can go in there and you can see how many people are listening to your show. And some days you might have major spikes and then you can go and try and figure out what happened there. Like, did someone share it on Twitter? Did, was there a major boost on Instagram? Like how did people find the episode that day? And then you can try and replicate that for future episodes. Once my episode is up on Libsyn, I grab the, the link from it and I post it on my website. I have a WordPress website. My website is angelalucier.us, and then I also share it in my newsletter, which is powered by MailChimp. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of technology going on there, but in the beginning, it was it was a little just it was a little uncomfortable to use. I felt like, okay, what do I do next, and then how do I do this? But after a couple episodes, it became really simple, and I just used that process every week to you know upload, edit, post, and it's become pretty seamless. So the technology doesn't have to be complicated. It's just a matter of picking the really simple things that will get the job done and doing it pretty inexpensively. So I think I pay, I, don't know, I pay like $35 a month to have this podcast, which I think is definitely worth it. All right. So we've covered focus for your podcast, time, how long it will take you, the evolution of your podcast, and being comfortable with the fact that you're going to be new at it in the beginning and you should start anyway. We covered the technology it takes to have your podcast. And now I want to talk about results. 
I didn't see very many results for the first three or four months from this podcast. I was wondering, is anyone actually listening? I could see, I could see on Libsyn that people were listening, but I didn't get a lot of feedback. And when I requested questions for the podcast, I received some, but not a lot. And I thought, I wonder if this is worth it. I wonder if I should stick with this. And I talked with a friend of mine who had been podcasting for two years, and she said six months is a good point to start reevaluating whether or not your podcast is, you know, really worth your time. But before that, don't even pay attention because you're just building an audience. You're just getting comfortable with it. And there's a lot that needs to happen before people find it. And I said, all right, okay, that sounds, that sounds fair. And now I've been podcasting for nine months and I have to say, I'm really glad I took her advice because after the six or seven month mark, my numbers started going up, my listenership, my emails, and you know the chatter about the podcast episodes online started to go up, and the results started to show up. When I launched the Speaking School for Women a couple weeks ago, some of the women who signed up found me through my podcast, and I thought, okay, cool, all right, the podcast <laughs> is worth my time. I'm connecting with the right people. They're finding me, and they're listening, and they're enjoying it, and they're signing up for my course. Okay, this is a really good use of my time. And then I also, just yesterday, connected with a woman in Philadelphia who said, I found you through your podcast, and I said, okay, good. All right, this is great. So the podcast is really uh, resulting in good things for me. And it's about sticking with it and continuing to be consistent and always putting your best work out there. So some things I've learned about podcasting that I want to just throw in as some final thoughts is if you start podcasting and you decide, oh my God, I don't like this. Don't keep doing it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're saying, oh, I'm scared of this, this is hard, that's different from I don't like this. So really paying attention to how you're responding to it and how you're feeling about what you're putting out into the world is what's going to help you determine whether or not podcasting is for you. I found over time that I really love this format because it's like a, it's a, it's a form of public speaking, but I'm doing it in the closet. So as an introvert, I'm like, I could get down with this. <laughs> I could get down with hanging out in my closet by myself doing public speaking. This is great. So if you don't like it, don't be afraid to cancel the podcast and try something else. Or maybe you need to bring in a co-host, or maybe you just need to change up the format. One of the things I started doing was changing the, the episodes up so they're not all just me interviewing somebody else. Like episode 18 was a live episode I did called Create Your Speaker Brand. And that episode was actually done on the phone. And I had people call in and I recorded it and then I played it on my podcast. And if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll notice that I sound so scared <laughs> because I was, it was so scary to record that episode. And when I look back on it, I can't really pinpoint what was so scary about it. Cause I've taught so many classes, both teleseminars, webinars, live classes, you know, in person, I couldn't figure out what was making me so scared in that episode. But if you notice, I haven't done another one of those. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to because for some reason, it's just not working for me. But if you noticed, 
episodes uh, 32 and 33. I did solo episodes and I loved doing those. I felt so excited. And if you remember, I talked about the stage system and then I talked about how important it is to be patient on your public speaking journey. And I read some of the stuff I had written to you on that podcast, those podcasts. And I remember being so happy. I was like, I get to read to them. It's like we're sitting together in a chair and that really made me feel excited. And those are the things to be paying attention to on your podcasts, because when you're excited and you're having fun, your audience is having fun. But when you sound scared or bored or disengaged, your audience feels the same way. So it's your job as the podcast host to be the leader and create the experience you want your audience to have. I remember episode 25 was a Q&A episode, and I loved doing that episode. And even episode 10 was a mystery episode, and I read questions people had submitted. And it was so fun because I, I love Q&A. It's like one of my favorite things to do. If you ask me right now to be on a panel in 20 minutes, I will be there because I just love the pressure and the um, the excitement of not knowing what question someone's going to ask me and then having to like think on the spot. I just think it's great. <laughs> so Q&A is a lot of fun. In episode 15 and episode 37, I interviewed two people at the same time. Episode 15 was about flair, is about marketing. And episode 37 was the women from Woe who talk about adventure and they plan adventures for women. And I think it's really hard to interview two people at the same time. It's not my favorite thing to do. I've tried it twice now, and I will do it if it's necessary, but I think I would rather interview one person at a time. And you might remember episodes 34 and 35. They were about tales from speaking school. I loved those episodes because I love all my students, and it was so fun to get to talk to them and get updates and hear about their experiences and see how what they've learned has helped them. And you can probably hear that in my voice in those episodes, too. So it's really important to create that exciting, reflective, thoughtful, inspiring experience for your audience by exhibiting that yourself. And if you can't exhibit that through your podcast, then you probably should either change up what you're doing or not have a podcast. (laughs) That's probably the most important thing I've learned about podcasting so far. So the five topics we hit on here today were focus, picking a, a specific focus for your podcast, deciding who you want to help and what you want to help them do. We talked about time. It probably takes more time than you think it will. So be really honest with yourself about how much time you have available and whether or not you have the means to hire someone to help you. Your podcast will evolve, so don't worry about it being perfect today. Just take the first step to get started and then start experimenting. The fourth tip was the technology piece and not getting too worried about knowing everything about every piece of technology you use, but making sure that you're picking things that you can comfortably use and execute each week or as many times a month that you have your podcast. And the last tip is focus on results and notice whether or not your podcast is yielding you the type of results you're looking for. And so that means paying attention to how people show up in your life and whether or not they found you through your podcast. And I think, you know, most importantly, marketing is, because at the end of the day, a podcast is an opportunity to market yourself, right? And marketing can be such a huge part of your business and of your career. And so it's important 
to make sure it's something you enjoy doing and that it's not a chore and it's not grueling, but it's something that you can really put your heart and soul into and be proud of at the end of the day. And I, I meet a lot of business owners who feel so bogged down by marketing and they feel so beaten up by it because they spend so much time on it and they don't feel like it's yielding them any results. And podcasting can be something you look forward to and that you enjoy and also helps to give you more insight and information about what you're doing. But you can only get there if it's something you truly love and enjoy and look forward to. But the only way to know that is probably to get started. So as always, my friends, I want to leave this episode with my motto to remind you to stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.